I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike. Last night, I was sitting there with my wife and beautiful new baby daughter, Piper, as we watched together. It's what we do as a family. We get together and we watch uh, <laughs> we watch political debates. I felt so bad. I, uh, you know, I've got to watch this stuff for work, and we have uh, just the one TV in the living room there. And of course, we want to spend as much time together as possible. And so, my wife very generously uh, sat there with me, uh, with Piper in her lap, as she squirmed and didn't have any interest in uh, politics or debates or anything like that. Uh, but I sat there dutifully. I took some notes. Uh, in fact, five pages worth of notes. Uh, I'm going to go over those uh, later on in the program with Scott Howell. He's going to join me again in studio. And- uh, he and I are going to shoot the breeze for a little bit and see how the Democrats did last night. But something happened while I was sitting there watching the debate. I had uh, right on my lap there my cell phone. I felt it vibrate. I looked down and I saw that I would received a text message from the Herrings. Uh, John and Melanie Herring, we uh, a few weeks back started, uh, you know, you have like a group texting thread. Well, the three of us have been texting uh, over the past little while. And the text message that I received just last night in the midst of the Democratic debate, it was a welcome distraction, if I'm honest, from what uh, uh, was going on up on the TV screen. And it was from Melanie, and her her note to me said, John just tested negative, negative, negative. I said, what incredible uh, news. I'm so happy to hear this. Now, this is one of two requisite negative tests. Does he still have one test to go? Uh, the answer, of course, yes. I said almost there. Uh, and then John chimed in. He said, listen, they already took uh, both of the samples needed for these two tests. They've already taken two nose samples, uh, two throat samples, and two phlegm samples. And the results uh, are due back to the second test uh, before noon tomorrow. That uh, his time. So we're waiting to see now uh, the results of his second test. Now, if he is to demonstrate two sequential negative tests, he is then essentially free to go. Uh, He'll be released from quarantine there in Japan. The next step is uh, essentially repatriation. How do we get him back here to uh, the United States? He is awaiting instructions from the CDC uh, and is looking forward to, uh, first off, a second negative test. And then, of course, uh, returning to the arms of his wife, Melanie, who right now is in Travis Air Force Base. She posts uh, updates uh, from time to time. I want to share with you her most recent update. And then uh, we're going to have a conversation with Congressman Chris Stewart about this whole matter. First of all, I want to tell everyone I appreciate all your powerful prayers and your energy and your thoughts. So much love that has been given to John and I. I just got off the phone with him, and he has, I could hear the doctor in his room, and all of his tests came back negative. Negative for saliva, negative for his nose swab, negative for his throat swab. And so, they're going to do one more test tonight, and tomorrow uh, they will get results back, and if it's negative... 
he just has to pass a few requirements with the CDC and he can go home. That's the latest. Now, we've spoken to Congressman Chris Stewart on this issue in the past. Now, you might uh, ask yourself, why uh, is the congressman involved? Well, I can tell you, first off, as a former congressional staffer myself, that a member of Congress has a number of responsibilities. You and I are well aware of their legislative duties. They need to uh, debate and vote on legislation. Well, here uh, in Utah, in their respective districts, they have district offices, which are staffed by caseworkers. Those caseworkers are responsible for being essentially liaisons uh, between you and me, the constituents, and the federal government. And so uh, a need uh, arose for the herrings for them to have a a liaison, someone who could reach out to, say, the State Department or the CDC and answer a few questions on their behalf. And, uh, you know, sometimes when a member of Congress calls, uh, it carries a little bit of a different weight than if you and I were to call up the CDC and say, hey, I've got a, a quick question. Now, I do need to point out that there are certain privacy understandings that exist in these caseworker relationships. So during this conversation with Congressman Stewart, please be aware there may be some things that we're not going to be able to talk about uh, just to respect the, the privacy of the of the agreement between the congressman and the hearings, uh, as well as just any delicate matter. So here we have Congressman Chris Stewart, sir. I'm grateful to you for joining us. Uh, how are things going on your end? Well, I'm in Washington, D.C., so that should tell you how things are going. Right? <laughs> uh, but uh, on, a, on, a, on a, you know, a good news front, we were very happy. I've been in contact with John and Melanie and some, one other family who is a constituent in St. George. And, and you know what? You're right, uh, Lee, that when a member of Congress calls the, uh, you know, the embassy and says, hey, look, we're not doing a good job communicating with some of, uh, some of our U.S. citizens there, that, that does help. But... Uh, I think also there's just a, a bit of a moral support, just letting them to know that we care about them. We're trying to help them. We're trying to help their family. And he's very glad that he got this good news. And hopefully we get more good news tomorrow. And then, Ken, as you said, we can work on getting him back home where they can be together. And also where if, if the things were to turn, that they would be able to get the medical care that they needed. Yeah. Uh, understanding, of course, the privacy and the, uh, you know, the, the delicate nature of the relationship between your caseworkers and uh, your constituents. What can you tell us about the actions of, uh, say, the embassy or the CDC right now? What do you know they're up to? Well, I mean, so let's not talk specifically about John and Melanie or, or, or maybe even the other family. Let's just talk kind of more broadly. And that is, that you know, we have a very delicate uh and, and, and a fairly complicated challenge before us, and that is that we have these U.S. citizens overseas, and there's, you know, they're not just in Japan. There's a number of other locations, and we want to bring them home. We want them to be united with their families, and we want them to be in a place where, again, we can give them medical care that we know is, is, is best in the world. But at the same time, we have to recognize the public health uh, risks and, and mitigate those. And that's the needle that we're trying to thread here to make sure that we're not exposing other people where they are now or potentially, you know, when some of these individuals come back home, that they're not posing a public health risk to minimize that, but at the same time to help them and get them back home and, and back with their families and back to normal life. You make an excellent point. There is an incredibly difficult balance that needs to be uh, that you need to strike uh, to take care of the unique and specific needs of the individuals who have either been exposed or come down with this virus. Uh, you need to balance that against the public health needs of us here at home. Are you satisfied from your perspective thus far that the CDC and the, the State Department is uh, understanding and addressing the, that balance adequately? 
Yeah, I am. And, and, and it's important to note two things. One is that, that both of those goals can be achieved. We can accommodate these individuals, these U.S. citizens. We can provide for them and do the, the right thing for them and their family. And we still can protect public health. Now, it may be inconvenient for some of these people who've been exposed. John and Millie are a great example of that. He's been, as you know, confined in Japan, and she's here at Travis Air Force Base. But hopefully they both test negative and they can get on with their life. But at the same time, uh, as you said, DHS... Uh, CDC and others have this this challenge of we see what happens when it, this virus is in the community and not being monitored and not taking steps against it. All you got to do is look at Japan, South Korea, Italy, and other places now. And, and you know, that's a, that's a real risk that we have to mitigate. Again, we can do both. It's not convenient many times for people who have been exposed, and in some cases, you know, much less than even convenient. But it's, it's just unfortunately necessary. Yeah. Uh, Congressman Chris Stewart, sir, I'm grateful to you for, for helping out uh, the, the Herring family and your other constituents facing uh, situations deriving from the coronavirus. I'm grateful to you, too, for uh, speaking to us on the program today. Hey, hey Lee, could I just say one thing? Please. Uh, look, I just think I just think this is a great example of where many of us could be reminded. It's not a bad idea to have some type of family preparedness. And, and look, I'm not predicting the end of the world. I'm really not. But it's a good reminder that, you know, the world is an uncertain place and that uh, the things that we take for granted in our community are, are, are maybe things that we should uh, put, a, put a little time on. And that's, you know, do, do are me and my children, are we prepared? And, and can we take care of ourselves for a period of time? And I think this is a good reminder that that's a pretty good idea. Absolutely. The preparedness can it's, uh, are always wise to have on hand and now uh, is probably all the more uh, reason to at least re- refresh yeah. our, our plans and uh, take a look at our, our stores. So thank you, sir. Thanks a lot. It's yeah. a, a great thank point you, you make there. All righty. Uh, congressman Chris Stewart, he is the congressman representing uh, the home of the Herring family. And we have been in contact with them over the past few weeks as they have endured uh, some difficulty, to put it lightly. The, the the heartbreaking reality of this situation is that they right now are facing uh, each on their own some uh, medical question marks. And they're doing so from opposite sides of the earth. They're able to connect with one another, certainly by this wonderful technology of cell phones and FaceTime and Facebook and all that. But uh, they're not doing so together. Uh, the news, though, is looking very good for Mr. John Herring. He is has one of two negative coronavirus tests taken and confirmed. He hoping to get the second uh, good results later today and hopefully soon back in the arms of his bride. So that's the update on the coronavirus. We are later on in the program going to talk about the potential impact that this virus may have on the Olympics coming up in Tokyo this summer. They're 149 days away. Will we have this under control by then to safely send athletes to Japan to compete? Next up, we're speaking to Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry and this is KSL News Radio.